Wonder about the future and how you'll be working and learning? Welcome to You in 2042, the future of work, with your host, Danielle Wallace. Hello, welcome to another edition of You in 2042, the future of work. Today, we're having an interesting conversation about innovative ways to use recordings, videos, and really maximize SME time. So if you've ever had any challenges working with subject matter experts, we have some food for thought for you. Joining me today is David Langholz. This is an interesting topic because you, you and I were talking about this off air about some of the challenges that we have with subject matter experts. Um, one of the biggest ones that I have, and I'm sure you have, is, well, they just don't have the time. You know, they're, yeah. they're too busy running around doing training than actually stopping to take the time to make better training. Nor do they know what better training is. And some of them, you can't convince them of the time savings. Like I've said to some SMEs, just point blank, I said, listen, you know, you're an engineer, you should be off doing engineering stuff. You shouldn't be struggling over articulate or storyline or PowerPoint all day. Because instead, your subject matter experts want to create the training? No, no, but it's never occurred to them to outsource it. Oh, right. I also see the total flip side where it's completely outsourced. Like, hey, we need training for this employees. Go figure it out. Yeah. Like without giving you the roles of the employees, <laughs> nor what they're supposed to be doing, nor anything. It's just completely outsourced. I don't know yeah. what I want, but I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Part of that I like. You know, when you said, well, I don't know what I want. Well, part of me believes that, yeah, they don't actually. If they knew what they wanted and they knew what good training would look like, they wouldn't need us. So what they think good training is, is what they did 40 years ago, sitting in U of T in a lecture hall with 300 people. So, so what I find is that I sort of sell it as if I'm taking the weight off their shoulders. It's like, you're far too important to be wasting your time with storyline and making pretty charts and job aids. Oh, let me do that. And you can get back to the stuff you like to do. But they don't want to give us the time. And as you said, they don't know what they want. So what I found is they always want to show us, right? They always want to show us what it is. How does the machine work? How does the software work? So I say, okay, fine, show me. And then I record that. And then that's my content. So the subject matter's eagerness to show all the details you're harnessing into your source content. You're using that and you're recording that? Yeah. Because if you ask them to send you content, you may not get it. Yeah. And whenever you do get it, you're going to have to go back. You've got questions. Yeah. You've got issues with images because they'll mess up the aspect ratio or they'll put things in so you can't break them apart. I'll say to the subject matter expert, oh, let's make this easy. Let's make this easy. You've got a software program. You need a video. Look, let's just do a Zoom call and you show me and just pretend that I'm a complete idiot and I know nothing, which really isn't that hard for most of the people I work with. To um, pretend you're an idiot? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. 
But if you play that role and you challenge them and you're like, hey, wait a second, what did you do that? Why did you click on that thing? Hey, what does that mean? Hey, wait a second, isn't this the same thing you showed me in the other system? Or sometimes I even really challenge them and I just go, well, why, why would I do this? This is way too complicated. This is too hard. This is stupid. Well, I won't say that, although I have actually. But by doing that, you trigger their, their instinct and their passion for the topic. And it doesn't take any more time. They spend 15 minutes showing how, you know, some idiot can log into their system and create a profile. Then they're done. Then they walk away. Then I take that Zoom recording. Are we allowed to say brand names like this? Do I get like a fee for that? Zoom? <laughs> you get a uh, royalty from them. No worries. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> so I take that recording and then I can watch it on my own time. And if I need to replay some, something three or four or five times, I can. I want to take a screen grab. I've got all the time in the world. I can blow up the image. I can use Snagit or whatever other program I want to use to get that screen grab. The aspect ratios aren't going to be messed up. I can put layers on with, with labels and everything that, that I can go back and later change. And then I can rough out, maybe it's a, something in Storyline or more often than not, just PowerPoint. And then I can do all that work and then I can go back to them. When you said they don't know what they want, you're absolutely right. They don't know what they want until they see it. So we know what they want because our life and business is creating material that's effective and that engages people because if we don't, we're out of work. You you use those recordings then to understand what the system is in this case, but also to get screen captures from? Yeah, why not? Wow. Because, because the person's gonna show me how to log in and create a profile. So they're gonna have to go to the login page and they're gonna start typing. And I might say, wait, can you just stop there for a second? Or, you know, can you turn off your cap locks or, or could you do that again? One thing I do and they kind of laugh, but I'll say, okay, just pause on that screen, move your cursor away for a bit or, mm. or just click away so that that box unhighlights. Right. Just, right. you know, move the cursor away for a second. And, and it works because it's only, like I said, 10, 15 minutes of their life that I'm going to spend probably a couple of days pulling it all down and making it into a 12 page classroom training or a two page job aid or whatever. And then when I go back to them, I'm not starting with a blank canvas. I'm starting with a almost final draft. And invariably yeah. they go, wow. They always say that more often <laughs> than not, they're like, wow, like you really seem to understand this. And it's like, I don't understand this at all. But I just watched the video 15 times pieced it together in a way that makes sense. And then you're meeting with the SME the second time is just, you know, quick tweaks. And you could do that over Zoom as well. Share screens, make your rough notes, 15 minute recording. I do this all the time with people in my company I'm working with now. And I'll, I'll sit with a SME to how to run a report in SAP. Mm -hmm. And she'll demonstrate it to me. And I'll ask a bunch of questions and I might have her go back and forth over a couple of steps, 10, 15 minutes. And then three weeks later, I go back to her with like a three page job aid and uh, she looks at it and it's already 95% right. I've never had a SME go, oh, this is terrible. Right. Yeah. Because you're starting with good content that they can easily forthcome and you've mm -hmm. 
capture them within a meeting, but it's short. Typically, mm. would you have one meeting per one topic? Like you mentioned, those meetings are quite focused of those demos. Do you keep them focused like that on purpose? Yeah, I do. If we're going to do like sometimes we've done two different finance reports in the same meeting, I've literally stopped the recording mm. and then restarted it. So then you'll get these two uh, MP4s and I just yep. <laughs> instantly go back and, and change the file name so that I can find it. Yeah. You get the content as pure as you can because you're getting it right from the expert. They're not interpreting it and trying to put it into PowerPoint or Excel or a puppet show or whatever. And then we package it in a way that's going to work rather than have them try to put it down on paper because you know they're going to lose information and you know that's going to bring in an extra level of bias. So they already have our bias figuring, oh, well, this is how I'm going to package this for the audience. If we do it with the video, we, there's at least one step of filtering that doesn't make sense. Now, the outputs that you create, it sounds like often you'll use it, use it as raw content for job aids, classroom, or you could use bits of it in an e-learning. Do you use that? Any digital means? Some, probably not as much as, as I should, but there's no reason basically just start with a PowerPoint, toss that into storyline, and then take a couple of 20 or 30 second snippets out of the video and embed that into the slide. Yeah, I guess that's interesting because it depends on the quality of their demonstration that they're doing. <laughs> yeah. That's a big thing. I like with this method that you have that you're actually able to get them to clarify and provide context because often mm -hmm. the context is missing when anything's documented. I really like that. What I've been doing is more of doing those recordings and then using them as the final end product, augmenting it, converting it, taking that information of the recording, but, but like using it mm -hmm. as a recording. So I like this idea that you're sharing because that's a new way for me. Quickly get accurate information that the SME is willing to forthcome. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts as it relates to doing what I started that question with, which is using the recordings as a recording? I would take issue with the term intact because there's just too much downtime and ums and ahs and dead air starts and stops and tangents, yeah. sort of like this conversation. <laughs> So I've actually been given um, Zoom meeting recordings and tried to cut them down into a, into a usable video. Doesn't usually work that well because it's so unstructured. I, I mm, prefer yeah. to, and this yeah. might just be ego-driven, but I prefer to have control of the conversation so that I can just keep going from A to B uh, through the process. And I can stop and start and, and ask questions. Now, having said that, I still do use that to make training videos, the same kind of, of thing that I'll do a Zoom recording, they'll demonstrate it to me, and then I'll just, you know, upload that into Camtasia and edit it and, and go from there. Um, I do that all the time. I'm sure you do that yeah. all the time. Um, yeah, there's pros and cons to that. You, you know, the worst one is uh, you ever have this, you have a, a SMEs demonstrating a software and you're recording it for a video. And they're using their mouse to point everything. Yeah. 
Now yeah. over here, and then they're circling, yeah. you know, their mouse, and you're just sitting there going, "Would you just stop? Can you just can you make your cursor invisible, please? Uh, <laughs> I, just just turn that off. Go away." So sometimes I'll have to. The SME will draw the circle, and I'll be like, "Okay, just stay still, and then keep going." <laughs> because then I'll have to edit out all the circling and all that nonsense. Yeah, yeah, because with me recordings, there is so much editing that's needed. So what seems as a seemingly quick solution, even when it's just using a SME recording, not even making it into a simulation, uh, just as a SME recording, it ends up being a lot of backend editing, heavy, heavy inputs of taking away all the audio, <laughs> recording brand new audio, or trying to make do with, <laughs> audio where people aren't saying quite the right things like it's 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 not a smooth process by any means no and and i don't know if people who are listening to this if there are people that aren't that familiar with what we do but i think people would be stunned at how long it can take yeah some of these uh videos that i've done to support sap processes takes me 15 20 minutes to do the recording three three and a half maybe four days to edit and then mm. the video I come up with is four minutes long. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, have you ever had to do this? You ever had the the person you're recording makes a mistake? Like they, they say something that's clearly not correct, but you don't notice it at the time. So, mm -hmm. for example, they're saying, oh, and by the way, you click on this blue thing and then you go over here, blah, blah, blah. And then you realize, oh, my goodness, it's not a blue thing. It's a red thing. And then you have to figure out how to MacGyver that in the editing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> have you like scrubbed through the rest of the video to try to find where they said red and then cut it out and try to shoehorn it back in? Yeah, I've done that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So what I like with this suggestion you have, uh, we started this conversation, was instead using the SMEs recordings with narration as a way for you to obtain quality understanding and source content and then yeah. you're able to use it not necessarily with the intent of videos but use it as screen captures for job aids or classroom or an ebook or, or whatever yeah uh, really taking it as a quick and more accurate way of getting all the information including context i really like that yeah. the number of times i've watched a recording got oh i missed that if I was relying on um, subject matter expert to give me screenshots, I would never know. Yeah. So to summarize some best practices we've talked about here. So I think I heard five. One, I heard book subject matter experts who are eager to share. Two, I heard keep the meetings focused. So like one recording per one topic. And you also uh, mentioned number three, keeping those meetings duration short, or at least each topic recording short. So you have 15 minutes with which to keep replaying, replaying, not two hours to keep replaying. They're very, very focused. <laughs> Fourthly, what I heard you say is have uh, questions to ask them. So probe deeper, make sure mm -hmm. you're understanding the full context behind it. And then fifthly, any other last points? Oh, yes. One of the things that comes up when I'm dealing with SAP is that there'll be SAP terms for a certain process, which aren't the same as the ones that are used in the company. Mm. So for example, one company I work with, whenever um, 
product would would arrive for the warehouse, they would say we are booking in a product. We're going to book that in. Well, SAP doesn't use that term. SAP calls it a goods receipt. So I've got the subject matter expert saying book in and the screen says goods receipt. Oh, so right. I kind of catch a subject matter expert and then um, she'll say, oh, yeah, book in. That's just what we've said for years. And I said, well, that's fine. But the training material is going to be very confusing because it doesn't say that. So I'm going to put an explicit note here on the training material that says booking in the SAP term is goods receipt. Yeah. And I find that by playing the role of the person who doesn't understand any of this, which when it comes to SAP is not difficult, um, we can uh, uncover the implicit knowledge, the stuff that they just assume everybody knows. So fifthly, be aware of discrepancies the learner will pick up on, but the SME is unaware of. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to, to put it. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And the only way you'd uncover that is through real-time discussions. Yeah, it's true. Hence why the SME recordings. That's great. Yeah. Um, thank you, David. This is great. Uh, I think we've shared some really interesting techniques and tips that are very applicable for anybody who's working with any type of subject matter expert. And these are some great tips in order to extract what's useful and maximize time for the subject matter expert. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It's always fun talking with you. <laughs>